So hello, hello, hello listeners. It's your girl Nyasha and I'm joined today by Keely. I'm going to allow Keely to introduce herself to us just because I don't think I could do her justice. Keely, welcome to the program. <coughs> <laughs> oh, big gulp of air. Um, hi, I'm Keely Tavner. I am someone who helps people who've got to a point in life that what they're doing is no longer working and the way forward is not clear. I help people to get clarity to understand their confusion so they can make choices to change and empower their lives. Wow. Yeah, it's better than saying that than if I say I'm a psychotherapist, everybody gets scared. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you think that is, though? Why do you think people get scared when they hear psychotherapy? Because of the prejudice that there is, because of the prejudice around mental health. Am I going mad? Am I off my rocker? Am I loopy? Mm-hmm. So because of that stigma, yeah. I um, encounter that all the time. It's just a massive barrier to people reaching out. Yeah. So I frame it in creative ways, just as I have done with yourself. But that's essentially what you do do. It is exactly. So I describe what I do rather than my title. Right. Do you see? So there's a deliberateness around that. Yeah. So I circumnavigate, I believe, Mm -hmm. the prejudice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by Mm. being very clear about how I assist people because ultimately I assist them to become their greatest self to start to make choices about becoming who they want to be yeah yeah and that's important well it's fundamental to people's quality of life because everybody want to hashtag live their best life right (laughs) no living my best life yeah living. but your life is a mess away from you know away from screen yeah the pouting and all that exactly exactly so that's exactly what I do. Okay, good. Check my camera. Yeah. <clears throat> so, when when um we were researching this episode and what the reason we wanted to do it is because in the day job mm-hmm. when I'm not recording the podcast and doing all sorts of things like that, I'm working with women. I'm working with young girls. Most of my clients are female, mm-hmm. and we are trying to get some of them from a place where they are unhappy with their hair their hair is not growing or they want to become natural and embrace their curls and it's everything to do with natural hair Mm. um and the things that come up the reason why i thought i need to either become a counselor and then i thought no i need counseling Mm. because it's the words the words people use to describe themselves and their hair are so violent to me and it's just like wow you know when you sit through and you deal with three clients and they come in and they say we need to style my hair so that we hide my forehead i'm like but you're cute like why are we hiding the forehead if that's going to damage your hairline because we're trying to heal and repair your hair no i need my forehead to be covered because i don't like my forehead and you think well but what makes a person not like their forehead and the longer the conversation goes on for it stems back to words they heard as a young child Mm. so even though now they're in their 30s their 40s their 50s their 60s those words linger why is that well i don't think it's the words that linger i think it's the context and how that those words you know were used to either chastise or alert someone to to some to someone alerting them to something about them that that person deceived as a deficit or a problem or not good Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it's the context, and to me, it's usually the emotional impact yeah. that that has had on somebody uh-huh. that has not been resolved, explored. In fact, it's actually been ingested and becomes part of that person's norm. Right. Yeah. So it then begins to function in their psychology. Yeah. So then it becomes. So when you hear it coming out, it's because it's become part of the belief system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's become a part of how they perceive themselves. Yeah. And it's entrenched from 1985 mm-hmm. or 65 when the statement was said and probably potentially reinforced. Yeah. So you're dealing with a legacy mm-hmm. of trauma, self hate, self condemnation that is of, often generational yeah you know yeah, yeah and so. and that that makes to me it seems then it makes self-acceptance difficult well it does in terms of does it mean it makes self-acceptance it means that the the place that one should aim to hope for is a place of it you become aware of the lack of self-acceptance Right. What's the lack of? What's the opposite of self acceptance? Would be or self acceptance is rejection. Yeah. So it's rejection of self, mm. rejection of me, mm-hmm. because of what has happened. So that you have to look at the social context as well. So this might not only be family, but this mm-hmm. is going to be you know through media, mm-hmm. the culture as well yeah. that that individual is in. Yeah. You know, which is going to be unique to that individual. But there's going to be commonalities in that. So it's yeah. a complex myriad, yeah. I think that's the word, of data, let's call it data, that has yeah. been ingested by that person. Right. You know. And they continue to because a lot of my younger clients, just moving to those who are 15 and under, they always say they don't see enough of themselves in the media. They don't see enough of themselves and their hair in mm-hmm. its natural state. Mm-hmm. In the media, um, they're always seeing these people with curls popping, these wash and goes that take hours, and they're like, "But the curl definition, and 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 nobody's got like a just afro, nobody's got hair like mine." And yet, a lot of the girls that they do see do have hair like theirs. Take away the tons of products that are dripping from the hair and mm-hmm. the six-hour trying to define these curls. Mm. We wind up with this situation where people are now reaching out. Yes, we're embracing natural hair, but it's almost like we're embracing an idealistic, unachievable, unattainable version of who we are. Mm. What do we need to be doing about that? Well, I think firstly, if I think about my own, I think firstly, I need to name a mixed. So I have a white parent um, and a black parent. I have a black mum and a white dad. And I think clearly you could you know my hair is curly mm-hmm. so i think like, like let's just get that out there and yeah. i know that my hair People can know. be perceived as ideal or good or yeah i wish i had hair like yours it's easy what i get told yeah. is people with hair like that yeah. have an easier life and it's true i can wash and go yeah yes i can i've just come out the gym it's still yeah. drying as you can see i have children with a black male one child's hair is similar to mine and the other my other daughter her hair is more Afro. Uh-huh. So I've had to contend with a child, my youngest, who has said, I wish my hair, I wish mm-hmm. my hair is like yours. Okay. And then I got another one whose hair is like mine, and sometimes she bullies the younger one about that. Right. And um, it's 
a disgrace. And I think my youngest child has always been hypersensitive about her hair. Of course. And it's something I picked up on very, very early. Right. And it's something that even now, she's like, my hair needs doing. I'm like, fine, what do you need done? Because th- I think to some degree I have a guilt about that, which mm. I find quite interesting. Yeah. You know, myself, when she, you know, is like, oh, mom, I don't know what to do with my hair. Like, I can't, I wish I could. Yeah. So that is something that I am hypersensitive to. I think about, I think the challenge is it's about being realistic. Mm-hmm. And people have, okay, I'm going to go natural, but then if, you're looking to something that you're, you're, you see, I'm mixed. Not every mixed person's hair is the same. Exactly. It's about finding your flow with, I can use mousse. Yes. For 69 pence. Yes. And do road. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I don't yes. have to go to um, Halston and go and buy expensive products that are now on the market for myself. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when I was growing up, trust there. me, my mum was putting Dax and Bergamot oh. in my hair. Yeah. It was That's what was there. Limp. Mm-hmm. Or pink moisturizer. Yeah. yeah. That was that was it. And I switched to pink moisturizer because, you know, that Dax business was just Yeah, it was uh, too much. Another it was level. Way too much for your hair. Way right. too much. So I think people I think it's about developing a relationship with yourself and it's a process and i think when you're if you're dealing with young people then it's only natural that at that stage of life what you want is acceptance from your peers yeah and so if you don't fit in you are on the out and that's a very tricky process when you're at that age and stage of your life when Mm. it is about your peer group Mm. so i think we also need to be you know sensitive to to that but in terms of it's challenging uh-huh. you know self-responsibility we have to i think this is more of an adult thing you know so i've shifted from being a probation officer to working for myself which has been dramatic yeah. especially when you're from a grassroots community yeah. where getting a good government job is perceived to be great yes who's going to leave dead government you know no one no one and so when i made that transition it was about being very careful about what data Mm -hmm. comes into this yeah i don't watch television and i don't take newspapers Mm -hmm. so if and there's a there's a significant reason why because that manipulates you Mm -hmm. it gives you an idea of things as somebody somewhere often white males yeah. want you to think yeah. or what is their preference you know so media we have to be very mindful of because that fuels the, the i should look like this this ideal which you see throughout black um black films and black videos music videos and so on and that's it's happening again and we had a we had an episode for our listeners remember a few months back where we were talking about what happened with the afro the, the late 50s the 60s the 70s it was all about embracing self black love and saying this is who we are and this is who we should be mm-hmm. sadly what then happened is it started to be shown in the media being portrayed in films mm-hmm. and then it was in vogue and it became something that was a fashion trend that even caucasian people so white people would have afros in the you know i'm just thinking is it mungo jerry there's 
there's you there's loads of um images videos from the 70s where even white people have an afro hairstyle and what's happening now is we are getting these oh yes okay no parabens no silicones no this no that it's brilliant embrace your curls and the version of curls that big brands are jumping onto and the black people they're adding onto there are not what's realistic that that's not realistic yeah but the the, 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 the what they're pushing might be for people who are, are mixed who may not necessarily have a hundred percent afro mm -hmm. hair so again, it's an example of prejudice shadism yeah. that is being pushed, that people are ingesting. Yeah. And it's, the reality is, it's for us to take responsibility for that to some degree. So what you're doing in terms of this being a pain for you, mm. a personal pain, something that you see is you're taking responsibility for that. And I think for me, that is what is inspiring about the time that we're in with the access to YouTube and, and all of those, you know, podcasts, yeah. is that you have a space where you can try to push against that. Yeah. And I think that's about taking responsibility. It's about raising awareness. Yes. So I don't know how you see clients. Do you have your own studio or yeah, you, yeah. you do at I home? Do. Yeah, well, I travel to some of my younger clients we travel to just because... A lot of them, even though when they're like five, six, they've already had a traumatizing experience of having their hair done. So we travel to them purely because they're at home. It's a safe environment. But I think, I think if that's the work that you're doing, then you can also use that. You know, are, have you got things where you're like taking people's email addresses, oh, yeah. sending newsletters once a month? So you're raising awareness. Yeah, because I'm, the I'm awareness a, needs to be raised. Yeah, but I'm afraid, my friend. <laughs> Go on. The challenge is on you. Mm. Because if you've come to speak to me mm. about how can we do this or we can yeah. do that, I'm here to tell you, be the change. I I'm shall carry on. You, I shall carry on. I, I will, we, we need support though, because like I said, the reason we came to you is because you understand the power of self-talk. Yes, but I'm also, I also understand the legacy of prejudice, racism, yeah. colonialism, slavery, the legacy and the decimation of yeah. self that has happened yeah. to the black community that we still see yeah. to this very day in all its guises. So what do we need to be doing as parents, as aunties, as uncles, especially of people who are maybe say 19 and under? If we have access to these young minds, what should, how can we use our words to start and make a change? I think it's really interesting because I work at the other end. Mm. So I work with adults mm. who, for whatever reason, hair may come up and it comes up and then, as I've noticed, it's become something, it's incredibly delicate. Black hair. Yeah. Black women's experiences yeah. of their hair. Yeah. How they feel about their hair. How they feel about their looks. Yeah. So for me, it, it's kind of having to unpick the self-hatred that comes with the bonnet as such. Yeah. That isn't necessarily why people come to see me. No. But for whatever reason, it comes out. It's a part of it. And so, and this might be a shortcoming of mine, but I always work with the I. Yeah. So you're saying we. 
and th there is definitely something about we but I always start with the I I'm a psychologist so I start with the I yeah so it's like that's why I'm saying to you it's your mission <laughs> you've just made it sound a lot harder than it is well I think I probably named something that you're doing it's why you're here anyway yeah but naming it might be like oh my god she's doing it's my mission it might be my purpose yeah it may well be that yeah. to for you to be that so when you go to people because you have the access I do, yeah. if you have access to the young minds yeah. now clearly those people are called the, the parents are really calling you in for a reason yeah. so they know something's up yeah. so how can you continue to raise awareness you know i'll raise awareness by you know i do that in my own way by discrediting and not acknowledging comments about oh how lovely your hair is and you know like oh you've got good hair so what does that mean about your hair? Yeah. What does that mean about your hair if you're telling me, you know, this isn't nothing I had a choice about. You know, I have a black mother, a white father. And they had the six. genetic mix led to this. Not yeah. every genetic mix of black and white leads to a particular curl pattern or the curls that you have. No. Yeah. And I don't do anything to look after it as such. It's what I have been given. Yeah. You know, just as... Uh, my sisters are going to have a big back booty. I ain't got that. You see? Yeah. I never get that blessings. No. It's just the cards you're dealt with. Yeah. And so it's about how can we accept self? But you have to remember there's a big agenda that is about never accepting ourselves. Yeah. To constantly feel inadequate. And so, because that means we buy stuff. Yes. Yes. yes, stuff we don't need. Stuff we don't stuff need. Stuff our hair doesn't need. But ju not just the hair. Stuff, yeah. You know, for you know. clothes. You go into Westfield, you get yeah. sucked in, all yeah. of it. You go in there for one thing. You, you know, this oh, the well, I think there's a supermarket that's cashing in on that, isn't it? I only popped in for the Clementines, and then you're walking out with five bags. And now they're saying it's okay. You, you pop well, in for one thing, leave with five. It's, if, yeah, but it's okay for them. Yeah, yeah, not you for know, you. It's, it's not, not okay. So I hear, I hear what you're saying. Uh, and I think, you know, my encouragement to you is like, who can you, who can you partner up with? That, and we also have to be prepared to know that it might not always be other black organisations. I'm realizing that I've come to that realization because, for example, one of the things that we do, um, my partnership of stylists, we are very deliberate about the words we use. So to me, if you have curly hair, you have curly hair. Now, the extent of curliness, that's debatable. Just like people with straight hair, it's debatable. Extent of straightness is variable genetically. Wavy hair, it's the same thing. Coily hair. It's the same thing. I don't use terms like kinky just because of where it comes from and from how the dictionary defines kinky. That's mm. nobody's hair is kinky. Mm. Kinky is not something hair can do. So I personally don't advocate that. I do not advocate the hair typing system because again, when you do research, you look into why it was created. It was to push products. Okay. It was to push products. It was mm. never, it's, it's not a scientifically based anything other than I have these products okay and if you want to buy my products i can't give you personal one-to-one -one attention so this is how i'm going to do it if your hair's like this you're a one this is what you buy if your hair is like this you're a two this is what you buy if your hair is a three that's what you buy if your hair is a four this is what you buy initially there was no four c mm. it was 
A, B, and C, A, B, and then it was type 3A, 3B, 3B, 3. Some of these things have come about because of YouTubers realizing I'm not a two because that one says they're a two. I'm not a one. I'm not a, so you become a 4C. My biggest issue with that is the majority of my clients fall into the category of 4C. These are the black women who are black, black with no extras. And I think a lot of us are mixed by way of whatever. So I cheat a little bit. Both my parents are black, but my mom on her side, yes, there's mixture. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so there's mixtures. Um, but for some people who then can't trace anything back to anything white or therefore more acceptable, it's like, well, we sit at the bottom of the pile. Our hair is the hardest. Our hair doesn't grow. Our hair is it. And the other extreme of that is, well, our hair can grow just as long as everybody else. And our hair is just, and I'm thinking, but who are you fighting? Who are you fighting and why are you fighting? Why are you having to be defiant in order to be okay with who you are? I, I don't see the need that well it's about the indoctrination you know it's about how that happens to people how how do people grow to feel inadequate about who they are and how they are and it's done in multiple multiple ways mm. from when we sit our children down in front of disney mm -hmm. films to you know the news being on in the background yeah. to spice girls well i'm a fan but um you know the music that they listen to the women that, that it, it's it's all of that you know that feed in uh -huh. to the psychology of the individual that develop a sense of inadequacy with self mm -hmm. and so self-acceptance is the radical and it's not easy i can't imagine it to be easy from what just from the conversation well, we've had well i think i think sometimes some things help to immunize people i think people that grow up in um in cultures away from Western cultures, so if you're, you know, born, like, I would say in a motherland, uh -huh. but depending on how how much non-Western ideals you're exposed to, where, you know, you see someone who has your natural hair, that's more commonplace, you see them in as professionals, yeah. you know. So I think those things are helpful. I but think those things thing. can indoc it can, can yeah. protect you to some degree. Yes. So that by the time you get to the, you've already got a sense of well, I used to see my auntie was hair was like that. Yeah, that is very helpful, but not nothing you can do about when someone's thirty five, and yeah. they've been brought up being battered and bruised because they have a picky head. I know. I wrote an article about that a couple of weeks ago. Tough head pick me. <laughs> well, that's what people say. They're like I was called a tough head pick me. And the first time I heard that, I was like, what's that? They're like, you're top head. You're like, you've got top head and your hair's picky. And I'm thinking, but who was saying this? Uh, thankfully, like I said, it wasn't my personal experience growing up. Just because my mom had loads of hair and it was long and she was gentle. So she was used to dealing with long hair. So my experience was not like the experience of other people. I think I had a, a rude awakening when I became a mom. Because then you suddenly realize, oh my goodness, doing somebody's hair is not, it's not for the faint hearted. Yeah, if if yeah. there's tangles, if there's knots, if, if, if you've not got time. Yeah. And then you've got the stresses of parenthood and everything else. The bills need to be paid. You've got to go to work. This one's got to do this. That one's got to do that. It, it's a lot for, for people, you know, parents of, um, or anybody caring for a child with curly hair 
to look after it the way it needs to be looked after. So a lot of my clients have just not had a positive experience. Mm. And it's like, it's not judgment because I understand where the parents are coming from. And sometimes when we're styling kids, we have to stop and have like a five, 10 minute cuddle session with these kids because because that that's that's what i remember of getting my hair done and so i mistakenly believed that was everybody else's experience of having their hair done where are you from zimbabwe do you see what i mean but funny thing do you see what i mean by the time i was 10 keely relaxes came in and it was a big thing Yes, but ten. If you think about our most formative years, are not to I seven. Know. Yeah. So you are you are very privileged. And I saw my mom's. My mom's never had a perm. She's never. She's always had her natural. But hair. can you see how that has shaped you and has actually put you in a position to be a wonderful ambassador? I get goosebumps. See, look. You see. That I never you, thought about that till now. Actually, it, it it gives you. I've seen it so many times yeah. that women who've been brought up, you know, who haven't been brought up here where it's been normal that, you know, you have your natural hair, just have a slight immunization. Yeah. Because they all can also, which is why if they see black professionals, it's not a big deal. Because, That's true. you know, it's why I find that, that black males who come here when they're adults yeah. are more immunized from the nonsense that the black British males are going I through. I totally agree. Because they've been immunized yeah. by not being exposed to the self-condemnation that happens uh-huh. at such a drip 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 it's very difficult to put your fingers on yeah but what you see is an adult an individual who loathes self yeah so so then you're like well how does it happen because no one's sitting there saying black hair is bad black hair is big it's not overt like that no no it's covert and yeah. subliminal yeah so it's the subliminal messages that people take on that they don't know they're taking on mm. which is why when you go to do their it starts to spew yeah. out yeah. and you're aghast. Yeah, but I feel, I don't, I feel out of my depth. I feel out of my depth purely because um, I can hear the pain, I see the pain. And just just from being through counselling myself, um, I've now learned to pick up on certain things. And I just think, okay, this is a lot of work to do because like you said, Somebody comes and says, well, I want to go natural. And on YouTube, it says, this is what you do, and that's what you do. And you're like, okay, first and foremost, the person on YouTube is just a person sharing their personal experience. That's But they're also trying to get views and likes and <laughs> trying to catch the YouTube algorithm. Well, of course. You know, so there's also, yeah. you know, there's also an agenda yes. as well behind that. Let's, yeah. Let's also, you know, I do, I do YouTube, yeah. you know, and I can see the topics that pop, the topics yeah. that don't, because you can see from your engagement. Yeah. So then you do more of the videos. Well, one should, I, it, you should do more videos that pop. I'm not yeah. going to do videos that pop because they're going to be on topics that aren't always, you know, I don't want to keep talking about being a side chick. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Yes, and that's why some of YouTube's um, suggestions are ridiculous. But I think... Like you're saying, people are just trying to make a living off YouTube now. Some people are. Yeah. It's like, well, this could be my job. And and that's... I'm, I'm not going to even go into that. It's just a but question I of think, telling the clients, look. I think people need to have an awareness. It's about, it's a, it's a bit one telling you it's, yeah. it's your mission. Mm. You know, how do you do that? How do you do that? I don't know. You know, do you create 
uh, a magazine, a little pamphlet, we things keep that going. people can buy. Yeah. We keep going. If yeah. there's magazine creators out there and they want us to do content, fine. You know, it's like we keep going. We build a community. I think but, this, but, this I mean, podcast I've got, is... I've, a... got, I've got my book, Why Love Hurts and Why yeah. Self-Love is the Key. That's on Amazon. Okay. You know, can you start to put a collection yeah. of your 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 posts together? So when you go to someone, you could also sell that as a product as well. Mm. You know, so other people are kind of continuously reinvesting in your business. Yeah. You know, that's another way to reach more people. Mm. You leave the book, you never know somebody gives it to the book. You know, you yeah. grow your And the message spreads out. Yeah, because yeah. Your, your, your story is really profound about how, you know, you were treated. Yeah. And if you think about the time poor times that we're in now, yeah. Where everybody's time poor. Yeah. Yeah. When and no one's you know, I, I remember when I had my daughter when my daughters were young, I used to say black women need an extra day in the week for hair care. Because when you got yeah. two children yeah. whose hair you have to wash deal with blow dry or cane row yeah. for school, it's no joke. No, no, it's not. And this is why I understand the pressures on parents. This is why we we decided we will travel to people's homes just to change the narrative for these young girls so that they're not growing up thinking. Because one of the things that happened, actually, um, I posted a few things on Instagram and a couple of our followers were just like, oh, my goodness, this is why I don't go to salons anymore. This is why I don't go to salons, because what's happened is people have had negative hair experiences. And sometimes they've had those experiences in salons because their mums didn't, they just couldn't do the hair. So they took them to the salon, which is supposed to be a safe place. It wasn't a safe place. What's then happened is they've grown up and they're now anti going to the hair yes, salon. Yes. Which then means they're now trying to do this thing by themselves at home using incomplete information. Because like you said, you, you told me the aloe vera story. We know a lot as black people, regardless of where our blackness is residing. We know a lot. It's anecdotal, though. They'll say, yeah, put it, this in. But it depends. You see, it also depends on their connection. You know, have they gone back? You know, I learned about aloe vera being in Jamaica. Yeah. So um, a friend I had, you know, I was staying in a ghetto. And, you know, probably one of the first years I'd gone. And I remember them, like, pulling out the slime from aloe vera and putting yeah. it in their hair. Yeah. I'd never seen anything like it. Like, I never knew. I knew Timothy, as I told you, right? <laughs> Timothy, yes, Timothy. I Whatever happened? They're still there. Don't, I don't know. So, yeah. I know Timothy. Right. So when I saw that, and then I was just, like, aghast. Yeah. Like, I just thought, oh, my God, like, where has my mother brought me to? And then I remember being at home in the bath, looking at the Timothy and reading, and it said, with aloe vera. I was exactly. like... They know what granny was onto something. They know, mm. you know. So, if you've only been brought up in Brixton, let's say, yeah, Neesden, Wembley, mm-hmm. big up the Northwest Mass. I know. <laughs> then you ain't gonna be out going out in your garden shop. It's not. It's not the norm. Mm-hmm. It's not. You mm. know. That's mm. why people like yourself, you know, are really important. Important pioneers. Mm. It does feel like that sometimes. It feels like I'm walking through a dense jungle and I don't know where I'm going. That's good. Honestly, it really sometimes just feels like that because it's like, I know this needs to be done. I know why. Because I also understand when I then trained to do hairdressing, I know why hairdressers are giving poor service. It's because the way, like you mentioned earlier, somewhere, somehow, 
a, a white man has decided what must be taught. Hairdressers are taught what somebody decided they must be taught. This somebody or this group of somebodies do not have hair that is representative of every single client that a person is going to have to service. And it's not just black hairdressers because we've had I, we've had Katie on the, on the podcast. We've had Ayumi. She's Japanese. We've we've had Indian girls reach out to us and tell mm. us that it's not even a mm. thing about oh because you're black because you're white because it's just hairdressing training is not great. And I feel it's because it's not informed by people who are in it. And I know that, like, I know, for example, the Institute of Trichologists now, their head of education is an ex-hairdresser. So that is going to change things. Well, it depends. Because if I think about, like, I've just dyed my hair this week and it's yeah. getting a bit dry. Yeah. So I thought I better get off the gel. I better get off the mousse and put some decent stuff in. Mm-hmm. So I went to, now Boots in Uxbridge yeah. do black hair <laughs> products come to and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, all of these mm-hmm. things which is very different from when I was growing up yeah. where you, you had to trudge, trudge to Halsden yeah. to get your hair care. Clearly, someone is working, someone's worked out, as they say, uh-huh. black hair care is recession-proof. Of course. Like, recession trillion, or no recession. Trillion-dollar industry worldwide buoyed up by black and mixed women. So, there you go. Someone's working it out. That's why I can now get black hair products in, in, in Uxbridge. Yeah. Someone is work. So I think it puts you in a very beautiful position. You don't like it, do you? I like your optimism. I don't, you don't like it, do you? I'm going to push it right back to you. No, it's not that I don't like it. It's just You don't scary. like that it's your, it, it, I know, but you, I know, I know, I know. I never signed up for what I've got into. Yeah. I thought it would be boom, 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 done, done. I know. But the more I journey into it and the more I see and the more pain I experience yeah. and I see how it impacts. Yeah. You know, the reason I could do this podcast is because I've seen the revolution mm-hmm. that has happened with my 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 clients with natural yeah. hair who who's been to the hairdressers mm-hmm. and it's totally revolutionized the work that we've done together. Right. Because we're we're doing inner. Yeah. But yeah. when they've gone to do the outer and yeah. that's taken years to get to the chair. Yeah. Yeah. That fusion of the two yeah. has been profound for me to witness. Wow. You know. Because the work here has been done and then externally I'm feeling good. And I had a client recently who had a beautiful experience in the black hairdressers. Fabulous. But who was incredibly cautious Hmm. because of their past experience of going. And it's almost like people need to be armoured. Like, I'll go with my sister, I'll go with my sister. I don't want to go alone. No, no, because what a lot of people say is they don't listen. I felt rushed. They didn't do this and they were doing four or five heads while I was waiting and this was happening and that was happening. And I'm saying, okay, yes, I hear that. I hear that. And it's not right. The other side of the coin is they're feeling rushed because they're thinking you're here for an hour and you're only paying so much and I need this much to just break it. Exactly. So one of the other things as well for me I think one of the big things that black mixed women, especially, I think most, mostly just black, because I think where, where people have a parent who is other, so not black in this instance, 
other cultures understand that going to the salon costs. Mm. So it doesn't matter where they're from. They understand that going to the salon costs. But we've created an industry or culture within our own community where we, we accept undercuts. We accept, we'll do, stylists will do a substandard job to make sure that, well, you're paying me so much. So that's what you're going to get. And there's this attitude that's really toxic where they don't expect their clients to come back. Mm. We go to the salon expecting to not go back. Mm. We then have people that will go. I have people that will come to me. And just because of the way I've been trained and the way I do what I do and the reason I do what I do, I'll say to them, okay, your hair's health is more important than anything else. Appearances are great, but your hair needs to be healthy because if your hair is unhealthy, it will break, it will fall off. And that's not nice. Having a big chop that you don't want to have is unpleasant. So we're coming from that point. They will come, they will come, and then they will go somewhere else and they'll disappear because they found someone cheaper. Their choice. They, they can do it cheaper. And that's fine. I've got no issues with that. Well, they, they won't come but back. But people then call and say, oh, my hair is doing this, that, and the other, or this and that happened to my hair. And I'm thinking, well, where did you get it done? Who did your hair? How was it done? Because, look, I don't want to spend every single day of my life over people's heads. As much as I love what I do, I don't want to do that. So I don't want to service every single black woman in the West of London. I don't want to do that. I teach my clients, when you're going somewhere else, this is what you should expect from them. This is what you should require. Have requirements for your stylist. It's supposed to be a relationship. I think, I think you remind me of someone who, who works. Um, I think you have an excellent standard. And people don't always want, don't always want to pay mm -hmm. or don't have that expectation. Yes. And I think my encouragement is that you understand that you are a woman of excellence. Thank you. And it's how you treat your customers and that's your hope for them. Yeah. Should they choose to go elsewhere, it seems that what you're saying is they don't get excellence. No, they're not looking for it. But I think it's because... And that's their choice. Sometimes I also feel it's because... Like you said earlier, you see that those insidious little things that you don't realize you're supposed to aim very low. Mm -hmm. We have low expectations of our hairdressers. We have low expectations of ourselves as hairdressers. Um, and it's not general. I mean, that's not true of every for everyone. No, but there, I there's think loads of people who do a great job. I, of course there is. But I think there's also something about the culture mix and class as well. Yeah. You know, because if someone is in a particular part of London where they've got, you know, they're having to rent and all of the finances matters. Yeah. All kick in. Yeah. And, you know, Tony and Guy service. I know if I can go to a white hairdresser for a cup, I know I get a cup of tea. Yeah. It's yeah. standard. Yeah. I don't, I don't you get that. get the service. Exactly. And, you know. Black businesses are often um, not I renowned, yeah. you know, from our takeaway. Yeah, I hear that. And to be honest, sometimes I appreciate that. You yeah. know, I quite like the laid back. <laughs> it's not all perfect and pristine and we ain't got this one, that finish. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of appreciate it's not how I would run my business no. as a psychotherapist. No. But I do, I do like some of the chill. 
I think some of the things you're speaking about are about class. And I think in the black community, we don't talk about class enough. Mm. Because, you know, someone who's a middle class professional is going to be far more comfortable with paying your fee. Mm. Uh, whereas someone from the lower stratas are going to probably be buying on price alone. Mm. rather than wanting the experience of excellence mm. it's about getting the job done yeah and then you know but this is why i feel relationships are important and the work we're doing is important because it's just helping people to understand that look if you have a budget tell me this is how much i have what can we work out that suits me suits my lifestyle suits what i need to do in order for me to get groomed because going to the hairdressers is a treat Mm. It is a treat. Getting your hair professionally styled is a treat. Well, it depends though, doesn't it? I mean, I remember when I got my finger trapped in the door, oh. I couldn't do my daughter's hair. Yeah. So what was a treat for them was a financial burden for me. You know what I'm of saying? Like, yeah, you know I mean, like <laughs> we're gonna yeah. have to. But then what happened is after that, I never did. I never did their hair again. It, right. I, it got you me found... into a habit. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I like this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so... if I washed it, I wouldn't right. have to. I'd pay less because then exactly, they exactly. And that's the other thing people don't understand. I think we haven't communicated well, which I suppose maybe speaks to our culture, where people don't understand that if I'm washing the hair, it costs more. Um, but then just because thinking back again to being a kid it's like go and do that why because i told you that's if you're feisty you'll say why mm -hmm. otherwise most kids it's yeah. like go do that and you go but, and do it but then again if you're using tresemme because it's three pounds for a big bottle from wilco yeah you know are you using the most ideal product yeah for your hair yeah and this is it this is i think there's a lot of education that needs to happen there's a lot that we need people to just become aware of and i think people are becoming aware people will become aware we'll continue to do what we continue to do and now people know that you're there to help them with the inner work to mm. help them with their accepting the hair because i think one of the things i find quite we stump it, it's not it's really weird i think about my kind of recent experiences it it clearly was not something that came in the you know wasn't a headline i want to you know but obviously i deal with the whole person mm. you know so and often the headline issues that bring people here aren't, you know, we go way deeper than that. We go, we go beyond that. You get a sense of self. But the commonality of awful experiences not only shape the relationship with self, mm. they all, they don't, the awful experiences of, of hair, mm -hmm. hair experiences, yeah. also shape, shape the sense of identity who i am mm. and sense of beauty which also impacts on how that individual operates in the world mm. what they accept yes what nonsense they tolerate yes because it's so in the bones yes you see it's marinated into the bones yeah you know and i am a mad, mad advocate of like you know partnering up with so if someone's natural hair like i'm so glad i know you like yeah you'll be a point of call yeah because when the issue surfaces yeah. about their you know, hair yeah i know that i've got a repertoire yeah. of safe good people who 
utterly get it because even now I'm thinking yeah. about you and my daughter who I've tried to have the talk with I've talked with her about her edges she's not having it I know and and this is it's just so scary because now the people with the loudest voice are the ones who are telling people to do the things that are detrimental to their hair health and I worry which again is why I, I came to you because it's like language can we just talk about the power of words can we help people to see and to realize that what we are taking in can either make us feel good about ourselves or maybe not so good about ourselves because it's sad when people continue to do things that are harmful but it's a, it's a, it's the here and now isn't it it's like you know um what is it pain today you know what is it pain you pay today and then you know people want to look good now and they kind of think well i'll have to worry about that later and you know what i'm okay with that for grown-ups what i'm not so okay with is how we're seeing younger and younger kids needing needing propecia needing hair growth aids and it's like but they're a ball of energy they're a ball of growth all these these children are doing is growing so their hair their hair is going to be growing anyway because they're kids the fact that you can see discernible hair damage means that your styling choices as a grown-up for these children are unhealthy for these children so not only are you damaging the hair by the styles you're choosing you're damaging their perception of self by putting them through this horrific experience of you shall be in pain and you shall cry and we shall do this to make you look nice or to make you look beautiful we equate getting your hair done to looking beautiful when it's like no but your beauty comes from inside and the hair is like icing on a cake you know i think that's very eloquent and i think it's something that will irritate people if i said anything of that majestic beautifulness <laughs> to my daughter i know yeah it's gonna be mayhem in i my know house. I know. Because actually, that's not what I'd be dealing with. I'd be dealing with yeah. a teenager looking at me who wants some money to get her to hair, get her to hair get done because she's going edges out. laid. That's what they say now. Get my edges laid. To go out and be with her friends yeah. and have a jolly. And the guilt, the guilt that yeah. comes from that yeah. is almost like I'm just reaching for my purse. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm reaching for my purse. Mm. Because it's a quick fix solution yeah. to a real long-term problem and I'm guilty of that you know I pay for my daughter to well I'm trying not to pay but to go to a hair and you know her edges are starting to I'm still looking at that and she's like no no they're fine I'm like I'm not no, sure no. if you're if you're beginning to think that there's a problem there probably is a problem there is a problem so yeah. I'm grateful I found you and yeah. I would actually give you a call and let you meet yeah. with her yeah I think that's really really Definitely. soon because when it goes pear-shaped she's only coming back here oh yes you know and, and transplants are not cheap and they're not oh, great Jesus. for curly hair because you see the thing is the follicle shape it can be done but even if you pay for three thousand follicles to be transplanted i have no idea what you're getting into well it's trying to to put wow. the edges back it's going to cost a lot more than just keeping the edges there in the first place you see so but you know what, I think, I think one of the challenges you have, and this is a sweeping statement, but I've been a probation officer where I've worked in prisons. Mm. And so 
I am of the view, based on my, this isn't backed by research, mm-hmm. it's observation, yeah, mm. is often in the black community, we can be very reactive. Okay. Reactive is when there's a problem, now we want to look at it. Right. Being proactive yeah. is before the problem arises, we want to deal with it. That's that why people come. For us. Well, this is why people yeah. come to me in crisis. You know, I do videos all day, but all day long about looking after your well-being or your yeah. mental health, which I am not a fan of. But actually, it's when the pain is enough that people then reach. Yeah. So the pain has to be sufficient. It has to be sufficiently uncomfortable mm. for action to take place. Mm. And so I think that is often something I notice in the black community. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That we are reactive mm, worldwide. Well, like I said, it's anecdotal yeah. based on my experience of prison, and even if I think about my career, like yeah. I noticed, like I was very proactive yeah. when I knew I was in probation. Like, I could see myself sinking into like losing my empathy and rolling my eyes. Like I was yeah. like, no, no, this job is gonna kill me, yeah. and I, I'm not having it. So I proactively did my masters, started uh-huh. my business, got myself out. Yeah proactive yeah and i and i i and and so that means that you are being preventative yes i didn't want my empathy to go i didn't want to burn out no and then do something yeah and so i think that's something that you also need to be mindful of and actually the challenge is on you i'm sorry (laughs) when they come to you how do you then capture your audience Mm. with the proactive information to assist people mm. you know the yeah. challenge is on us i believe yes. as pioneers as mavericks yeah. as way seers you know and so for me i believe what i do is spiritual it's had to get spiritual yeah. because it's really not what i signed up for no. you know i had no idea it would take me to this point yeah. but actually you're a voice for the voiceless yeah. And you have to, you're articulating issues that people don't even know. They have. Are going on, they're buried. Yes. You know, they're profoundly buried. So, you know, I'm, I'm up for helping in any which yes. way. If it means we do videos or we mm-hmm. do more of these. Definitely more conversation. Definitely yeah. more conversation. Because I like how you, you deal mostly with grown-ups. But m- one of the things I like for people to remember is be mindful of how you're talking to the children. In, in, in exactly and that's why you know if I think about my my youngest child it was evident that when her hair wasn't nice she felt ugly yeah yeah and as um, a mixed race parent with a, a darker skinned daughter whose yeah. hair wasn't like mine yeah. I acutely knew yeah. that if I didn't handle this properly yeah I was gonna mash her up yeah yeah I knew it I could see it yeah and even to this day, if she looks at me and says she has a hair, it does something to me. I'm just like, what, how much? Parent guilt. Straight away. Yeah. And it's curly hair guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Because as I said to somebody, like, I can't do her hair. No. Yeah. I can't do her. No. Tia's hair, when she was little, it was fine. Wash it, leave in conditioner. Yeah. Two, two, two twists. Exactly. And that's what it should be for kids. Little yeah. children, big, loose, yeah. simple. Yeah. And as she's got older, and she has tried to experiment with it out, mm-hmm. and I've gone to like packs and just cleared the shelf. You know, I'm just throwing I throw money at the problem. Like, right, fine, we'll buy a load of product. Yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing. And then she'll go out. She went to school once, 
and they called her Afro uh, Jackson Five. Uh, school phoned and said, you know, we don't know what's wrong with Tia. She just doesn't seem herself. Oh, poor love. She looked, and so her hair's her confidence, right? Yes. So yes. This is why, for me, it's it heart, was like... It's heart-wrenching. Words. Just hearing you say the things you've been saying for our listeners, for them to understand that when people are even older, it's still in there. I just think, I don't Yeah, think... but you also have to remember, if it's in the elders, and it's done to me, so it becomes normalised, oh. then people, you know, can, can do that without even thinking about it. You know, my mother, for various reasons, wasn't able... I have a black mother and she wasn't able to do my hair because she wasn't able to do her own. My mother was brought up with black with white people. Yeah. So she wasn't able to handle her own. So I was sent to other black women on my estate who did yeah. my hair, which often can... Even now, if someone pulls my hair, you know, because you, you ever you never hear this one? If you winch, they tell you you're nasty. I'm like, how can I be nasty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so nasty. Cool. But I don't understand how I was nasty if it hurts my head. So even now, like, I'm, I have a sensitive head. It's like it's not allowed, though, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, those experiences. You can't say it hurts. I feel, I think it's because, and I've come to this understanding. Again, it's not scientific, but I've come to this understanding just from being on the other side of the silent chair. Um, Sounds like a doctorate you when, need to be doing. You know? <laughs> a long journey but we'll get there just detangling combing just sorting people's heads out people have this expectation that it's going to hurt so they'll be like are you actually doing anything i'm like well yeah because i've never understood why hair needs to hurt i I really don't and again it's because my hair wasn't treated like that it wasn't treated like that so therefore i don't understand why i should treat somebody else like that so i kind of understand why people think oh well we survived it because that's what parents tell me a lot. Oh, we survived it. We're still here and we're fine. And then I think to myself, but are we? Are we really fine? Or does that dysfunction come out as something else? And to me, I think one of the biggest worrying things is if we don't become the generation that says, okay, come on now. We were hurt. It wasn't fun. But we can change. We can change. Then at least we are rewriting the story we restart to rewrite the story because it needs to be rewritten. It's, it's not like having a painful experience. It's not a rite of passage. They like You can get your hair sorted out without pain. Mm. If you treat the person behind the chair with respect, they will treat you with respect. We, we have to respect each other a lot more in our community, I think. Because there's a belief. There's a belief. And it's not just, it's in, in a lot of black cultures, because we have listeners in over 22 countries. Yes. And it's like, well, but do they even get trained? Like they're supposed to. In every single country, I'm yet to come across a country that doesn't have some sort of certification requirement for hairstylists. A lot of our community will go to people who are not qualified hairdressers because it's cheap because yeah, mostly it's a, the price which yeah, i but, understand yeah, but some people got a side hustle in their house Let, let's be clear and that's know. fine but i think we now know enough to know that side hustles that aren't that aren't educating themselves not necessarily going and getting a piece of paper at the very least like, if you can't do that that's fine but get to understand what hair is 
just get to know what you're dealing with because it affects people. The other side of it is people coming and they're wearing wigs because the hair has gone and there's now nowhere any you can't even attach a wig onto this head because you have pulled out all their hair because of your side hustle. You see, it's it's I get the side hustle. It does because I don't know what to do with these people. And then it's like now you're telling people like you said they come to you in crisis. I think I need to send them to you. Go and see Keely. They come to me and they're like what can I do? How can I get my hair to grow? And I'm thinking, you're going to have to start wearing, take the wig off. But there's no hair. Like The hair is now in a state. They, they might not want to wear a headscarf. They, not everybody wants to do that. It, it's just so painful that we are causing these problems. Mm-hmm. And we are choosing to go to people who make the problem worse because they haven't read a book. I, you know what? I I I'm really I'm really gonna annoy you. I really annoy you. I just think that's why you're so important. <laughs> oh no! I thought you were gonna say something else. No. Oh. I think, I think that's why you're so important in terms of what you do. I think you're really important. We need you. Well, I will do it because I love it. I love it because I just think that that it's. It's not, it's not one person's fault and it's not like, oh, it's the hairdressers or it's this or it's that. It's all of us as a community, all of us as curly-haired people need to be having these conversations, hence the podcast. We need to be aware of these things. We need to be aware of the fact that if I put something in your hair today, if I put extensions in your hair today, yes, you look lovely today, you'll look lovely for the next six weeks, the damage of that will show up in three months' time. Are you going to remember that it was me? Because in a three-month period, how many different hairdressers have you gone to? Mm. You know what? I'm sitting here and I'm almost so... I feel... I'm feeling a guilt coming up over me. Why? About my daughter who goes oh. from extension to extensions. And ex- and she has them really long. And I feel... I feel just immense guilt about... But do you see why hair. I needed you? Do you see why I need you? Like, this is why this podcast needed you. And like, yeah, Nana's not is, here today, but, but she's like, we need a therapist on this yeah, show. It, I mean, for me, it's, you know, I think one of the things with myself is I'm going to be open about things that most people won't be. Yeah. You know, I could sit here and be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm perfect. No, it's no, not. No, none of us but are. But the, the struggle, you know, the struggle is real. You know, the struggle to accept yourself. Yeah. It's not easy. I mean, just think about how we met at the door and who yeah, said, exactly. you know, you're like, oh, I can say that to you. It's yeah. cool, you're a therapist. Yeah, because I just kind of, she will understand where I'm coming from and I won't have to explain my issues to her because she gets that people have issues. But can you imagine? And I know people and you're have an adult. issues. No, but you're an adult and yeah. you can say that to me because I'm a therapist. Yeah. Most people, which suggests that you can't say that to most people. No. Because you're concerned about what they may think about you. And I just think it's the pushback. Call it what you will. Yeah. You're still concerned that if you say your truth, what will come back at you will not be favourable. And that's as an adult who is woke, who's doing what you do. Mm. And that's the level of pressure we are all under to be incongruent. Mm. Yeah. Incongruent mm. is when we're not being real. We don't say what's really going on. Yeah. We say something else. And not saying what is true for us is the thing that leads to depression and anxiety because yeah. we then become disconnected for our authenticity. Yeah. And so, you know, I think 
it's it's incredibly complex it's related to you know the decimation of black psyche Mm -hmm. you know to hate self Mm -hmm. to loathe self Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go on. Just that, that was, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So I grew up in a black area. Yeah. And when, when I was growing up, my mum was becoming very pro-black. Mm-hmm. So I was a mixed race child in a black area mm. with a mum who is now kind of renouncing the white upbringing she'd had mm. and was very much getting into afrocentric living yeah rasta mm-hmm. reggae going back to where she came from roots, yeah yep so then here i am like with limited access to my dad limited access to my white side yeah and so, clearly not black enough um well not was i not black enough well i over i did over black <laughs> <laughs> right i did over black so yeah. over black for me was about um trying to be like my black friends, mm-hmm. which would mean, you know, I used to, um, I used to blow dry my hair. Mm-hmm. I used to try and glue down the sides with jam, mm-hmm, Do you remember mm-hmm, jam? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which was utterly pointless. Yeah. And, um, try to be like my black friends in terms of my hairstyles with spritz. Do you remember yes. spritz? <laughs> <laughs> And then oh, trying to yes. curl it under. Yes. Uh, yes. Trying to blow dry my oh. hair only to go out and there'd be a slight modicum of heat and it go vroom. Of course. Yeah. Which was like a total was nightmare. You look like, you look in the mirror, you're like, I never, I never left home like this. Yeah. This was not how I left my house. Yeah. And so I kind of battle with myself to be liked by black friends. And what was real revolution for me was going to Jamaica where it was just like you don't have to be you know you can still listen to michael michael bolton and pop music and you're black we don't have a narrow definition no you can be smart and be black exactly you could be professional and be black which is what you'll find a lot in the caribbean in africa you will find that you can be black and like a lot of different you can be black and be and be a nerd exactly whereas where i grew up in west london you couldn't it was like you had a very narrow definition of blackness and if you you were sell out or you know so it was really refreshing to me to have that experience because Mm. it was counter to every to the limited view of black people that i had right growing up in set raf's estate so i really appreciated that and that that freed me in many ways and that's when i discovered as bizarre as it sounds my hair could go curly because my mother had always treated my hair like it was 100% black hair so I had Dax I had bergamot and I that would have been very heavy for you imagine yeah limp well I never had my hair out my mum always made sure it was just camoed and that was it so I would go to the women on this date they'd came in my hair yeah and it would stay in like my mum I never ever had it out so I was never so yeah it's understandable but then again, it's like, well, then you're not getting a chance to to enjoy and to explore. Which no, again, my mum was children need that. No, but my mum wasn't interested in that. You see what I'm saying? Like, Most you have your hair camoed, and that's that's that. So other mixed race girls on my estate who had white mums 
oh. would be having it out right. or having it look like that ain't being groomed. Mm-hmm. What the, what the hell is going mm-hmm. on there? Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the distinctions with my with having a black mother. Yeah. Was that my hair was always groomed? Yes. I weren't going out with the one. No. Fizz, like the. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I know the ones. I know the ones. You know, you know. So, oh, yes. and I'm not saying that's all. No, it's just they mixed. didn't know. They didn't know. Like some of them just don't know what to do. They really yes. genuinely don't know the best thing to do for the child's particular hair because, again, it's not one size fits all. And so that was like one of the experiences. That I think was different with myself because right. I had a black mum who didn't know how to handle my hair. Right. Which right. is very... So it just went from Camo to Camo. Yeah. So I had to discover... I only discovered my curls in like my 20s. Like, oh, right, oh, it can okay. go curly. Right. Like, because I'd never... I'd always just drawn it back or tried right. to make it look like my other black friends. Right, right. Um, and I think the reason behind that is based on my mum's own history with her hair and, okay. and, and being brought up with white people. So it's 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 a very... And now my mum's a, a ras. Right, so she's got locks. So she's got locks. Mm. And and even that in itself, people think, oh, you go natural, have locks. But actually, that in itself, with the way the hair's twisted and yeah, the thinning yeah. of the hair yeah, exactly. isn't, and the heaviness yes. is also Something another... Something you need to think about beforehand. And that's why, you know, I can see, you know, the revolution is is beautiful that's happening with natural hair. Yeah. But you can see that as you're making me aware that it gets hijacked yeah. by big companies mm-hmm. or pushing light skinned people with hair everybody's yeah. hair's curly. We're just pushing things that are unachievable for everybody because products don't give your hair something that your hair doesn't have. I, I cannot I, I could with the right products. We can tease your hair, we can style your hair into like a proper little afro. If that's what we want it to do, we can mm. do that. But that's not realistic. It's not something you can do every single day. And that takes a lot of skill. And it's like, do you really want to be doing that every single hair? And then also, what damage are we causing by doing that? Because you can back comb Caucasian straight hair into a fluffy Ooh, afro. You can do I that. To, I can do that too. Yeah. You can back comb anything and create anything. That's what hairstyling is. Is that healthy for the hair? Because we need to think about hair health because in 10 years' time, in 5 years' time, in 2 years' time, when you don't want to do that anymore because it's not popping, will you still have hair? Yeah. I I just... I think hair is a beautiful window into the self. Mm. And I think that's what you're getting. Hair is a window into the self. And I think you're alarmed at what you're seeing Very. when you when the door is open yeah. and maybe for me I think you're really privileged that people would trust you with their vulnerability mm. and tell you their stories and again I think it's un- you know it's your choice should you decide to take on your mission mm. is to honor the gift that your mother has given to you to be able to offer that to so many souls mm. who hate and loathe themselves mm. and that if you want to do workshops together where I mm, come in definitely you know where you start to bring people together yeah we do I hear your big sigh there is it no I... just it, it's a lot of work but I'm up for it purely because like I said we were looking for someone like we were looking for psychotherapy we were looking for counsel we were looking for a person who helps people to understand that words are powerful and you especially you but you remember the words that you're getting access to then shape 
mm. the identity, the self-regard mm. of that individual. Mm. That, I think, is maybe what alarms you. You know, the severity of the yes. inner, inner loathing, mm-hmm. the profoundness of the self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And sometimes and, the age, the, the, the youthfulness yes. of the mouths. That yeah. are saying this. Well, if you scary. think of the youthfulness, then as, as someone who works with the adults, I'm up against 42 years of that. I said that to my clients all the day. I said, don't worry, you know, I'm, it's my, ch- this is what I'm up against. I'm up against 42 years of indoctrination. Yeah. You see? Yeah. Which is why I can't watch television. I don't watch, I, you guys can't have me watch that because mm-hmm. I need to be as out of the system mm-hmm. as much as possible in order to help you to prize and love and accept the self yeah. that you have been blessed with mm. because that's all you got. Yeah. Yeah. If we are spirits having a human experience mm. and you've been fortunate enough to be placed in the vessel that is your body, we need to help you to accept, love and appreciate the vessel that you have been put into because we can't work, you can't have a human experience without this body. Mm, mm, that is so true. Spirit needs a body and you've been blessed. Look how many people have left this earth who would wish they could have a moment back, even if it would be to say goodbye to their families. And so here you are, hating the vessel that you have been blessed with. This is some spiritual work, my sister. Mm. I'm not even going to lie to you. I don't even tell everybody this, you know, they be talking about. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, oh, oh. But it's very true. And yeah. I, I'm very grateful that your mother was a, a mother of such love and care and tenderness because... With her hair, like with, with doing the hair because I think it was her experience. And so here she are, yeah. her daughter, yeah. who wants to make a change. Yeah. You know, and I think... I think you're in a really strong position to do that and you're using media, you're you know, you're you not even got fancy equipment, you got your phone there that looked like it'd been through the wash. Tell you this phone, but you know what? But we, that's the mission here we go and then we take it back and it gets edited and people then get to hear this. Um, so we try and keep it as raw as possible, just because Good. there's so much out there that has been edited and I, edited and, and I I, I just really want wanna, to keep it raw. Before we before we close, mm-hmm. I just wanna reiterate how important it is what you are doing what you are getting access to because people trust like and like you Mm. they trust you with the vulnerability Mm. which is exactly what you did to me today when you saw me yeah you knew you could trust me in your vulnerability they trust you Mm. that is a gift and so you are getting access to the inner world Mm. and as you get access and you peer in you're like oh my god mm-hmm. what is going on and then you're being seeing it again and again and again and you're like this is trauma yeah. people have been traumatized yeah. and you want to do something about yeah. that that's why you're here today so i want to say thank you for what thank you do because you. you're raising you. you're raising it you're raising it it's a privilege it's a privilege but it's, it's also oh, yeah 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 but i like that we've been able to connect with some fabulous people because of this podcast and we would have never if we hadn't started the podcast blogging is not quite the same when you're writing articles it's not quite you, the same you, as yeah but you yeah but remember you people. can blog you could put those into an, i will a little p- even if it's a pdf yeah no we will we, we I, will if, definitely if you do want that. 
give me your blogs. I'll send them to my assistant. My assistant oh. will put them in, into a nice, she's very good at the visuals, okay. a nice little document. Do you have a website? We do. Then you make it a, f a free downloadable. Okay. Oh, thank you. You take it to your clients. We'll definitely do that. I will you definitely know, do that. Put them all together and you put them in a, and she can make it into that. Yeah. That you could even sell on Amazon if you chose. Okay, thank you. you we'll know, do that. Because have... I know some people, people don't always um, want to listen to stuff or, you know, people like different media. And I get no. people say, why don't you have a YouTube channel? Because I'm like, Darling. No, but then you could be there and somebody's mum could look at your book. That's true. That is true. No, we. I will definitely, I've taken it on board. I will definitely do that. We will be back again. We'll send you some other issue to say, oh, we need to talk about this. Mm. Um, I think our listeners will benefit a lot from hearing. One last point, though. Mm -hmm. I do see this kind of backlash against people who perm their hair as if to say they hate themselves. And I think that is a dangerous I don't agree with point that. to go. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think, you know, we it's need to choice. be mindful of that. It's I, I get that because people, the other side of it is people will say things like, um, oh, wigs and weaves are a sign of self-hate. And I'm like, well, if they're done right and they're installed correctly, it's a stealing I wouldn't, I would, option. Would you go and tell Michelle Obama that? Because I wouldn't. I wouldn't say to her, you hate yourself. That's why you perm your hair. I wouldn't be saying that. Because I don't, I wouldn't believe that to be true. No, it's not, and that's why I was a bit, you know, hesitant to say self hate. I didn't quite mm. know how to, what to say, what to call that. Because I love a wig. I'm a wig head. Like I, I'm, I'm a self confessed wig head. I'm I such think, a wig head. I had a wig custom made. Listen, <laughs> I think, I think, I think you know? we can all, you know, I had two packets of skips last night. Mm. That you could argue that that's a form of self hate. Self hate. Especially I know. if you've been to the gym, you know, it is what it is. Is it for me self hate? Is is it causing me problems in my life? Is it stopping mm. me from becoming who I want to be? Yeah, you know, is it causing me a problem? Yeah. If it's not, yeah, yeah. It, you know, we all do things that aren't great for us. No, from and that's time part of time. the human experience. I think it's just—is it a cycle? Is it a pattern? And I think when it comes to hair, what works best for you? Because some people come and they're like, right, I want to transition and I want to this, and you just from talking to them, you realize you're not ready. Let's do this slowly. Let's take our time. Let's not rush. Let's just enjoy the experience. So, hey-ho, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. And um, hopefully we will see you again soon. Well, yes. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, mm -hmm. I'm Kili Tavernar at Key for Change. You can use the four or write number four or you can write F-O-R. Mm -hmm. I have a book on Amazon good. called Why Love Hurts. Because one topic would be good to talk about is black women in love because yeah we have to come back i know you've got a you've got a seminar you've got a course that you're doing yeah. sometime in september so definitely we will yeah. we will put up the you yeah. know the details we're going to post about that and um thank you so much privileged